There was a handout right outside the door there on the podium for the lesson called Longing for Heaven. If you're joining us online, uh, that is available on our Facebook page. Um, also, those who receive our emails would be able to access the link to get this uh, handout to follow along this evening. We're going to be talking about longing for heaven. The number one, to fill in those blanks, says no one stumbles into heaven by accident. No one stumbles into heaven by accident. We dream about it and live for it. Eternity should not be an afterthought. So no one stumbles into heaven by accident. We dream about it and live for it. Eternity should not be an afterthought. What is the greatest desire for any parent? Any Christian parent, I guess. We should qualify that with that question. What's the greatest desire for any Christian parent? Yeah, that their child will be saved, that their child will make it to heaven. At some point, we have to get beyond. I mean, what, what are some other desires, some other big desires that you put up there for your, you, you want for your children? Um, that they would marry a Christian. Okay, that they would marry a Christian. Okay, what else? Okay, how? How how would they succeed? Okay, maybe get good education. What else? Healthy. That they're healthy. Yeah. They're that they have good health and and physical ability. Yeah. There are a lot of things that we hope for our children. Uh, we hope that they're they're able to um, use their talents. They're able able to uh, be able in various ways be successful be a good role model, uh, carry on the, the family name, uh, hopefully in a good way. Um, there's a lot of things that we desire, good desires that we ha- want for our children, but our highest hope should be that our child makes it to heaven. And uh, we talk about this um, with the teen class at times uh, because so much focus is put on other things. The world puts a lot of focus on education, Um, and especially, I I think it's the the tide's turning a little bit towards focusing more on trades, and and because there's so many good jobs in in those fields, unfortunately, there aren't enough kids going into those fields, Um, but especially in the past, there was always that push, go to college, go to college, go to college, go to college, and there's still... A lot of high schools, that's all they push. And kids, there's many kids. I know when I was in high school, I never even heard of trade school. I didn't even know there was such a thing until I was much older in, in adulthood. And I wish I would have known about it. But um, so much focus is put on certain things, and, and kids are pushed to, to, be, to, to excel in those things, to excel in music, to excel in art, if they're an artist, to excel in sports is a huge one in our culture. But imagine if all the energy and emphasis put on excelling in school and excelling in sports went into excelling in your Christianity, excelling in your service to the Lord, what would our churches be like? Yeah, what would our, what would our culture be like? Yeah, it's very, so when it comes down to it, um, it's not going to matter if you have straight A's and you're standing before God one day. It's not going to matter if you ha- have a, a college education. It doesn't matter how much money you make. You know, it doesn't matter how successful you are in the eyes of the world. What's going to matter? What's truly going to matter when we're standing in judgment one day? Yeah. Yeah, whether or not we've done the will of God and, and that we have longed for heaven the entire time that we have been a Christian on this earth. This uh, idea of heaven is one that should be constantly in our focus. 
It should, we shouldn't take our eyes off of it. Every single day, we should repoint our effort and refocus our effort toward heaven. What are some special events that you look forward to? And why are they so important? Yeah. Okay, the holidays. All right, time off, rest. What else? Super Bowl. You like the Super Bowl? Okay. <laughs> vacations. Yeah. Vacations. Yeah, looking for anticipation toward vacation. Sometimes you have to come back and take a vacation from your vacation <laughs> because it, it seems like it's a lot, a lot of work. Birthdays. birthdays. Yeah. Yeah, we, I like birthdays. Obviously, okay, the birth of a child. There's a lot of expectation there, isn't there? Waiting for a new kid. Um, Christmas, obviously, we uh, like Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is probably my favorite one as far as holidays. Um, but yeah, weddings. And why are they important? It's because of the time we get to spend with each other. We, we value that quality time. The anticipation of it is exciting. And then when the day finally comes, there's a lot of a fellowship, a lot, a lot of good things that come along with it. But sometimes, even, even when we plan and we talk about it and we think about things for a long, long period of time, um, sometimes those things don't work out the way that we thought they were going to, and they end up being a little bit of a disappointment. I remember... Uh, as, as, a, as kids, um, we went to, we, we were huge anticipation to go to Disney World for the first time. And we finally got there and we walk in. I mean, it was wowing. But as the day wore on, we're like, this, is this really all that there is? And you're waiting in line for two hours for one ride. And I'm, what is going on here? I, mean, I remember going to amusement parks when I was a kid in Kansas and going one ride right after another you know and if you here at Kennywood we can you can used to be able to do that not so much anymore but you, you know sometimes you go to amusement parks and you're able to just go ride after ride after ride and it's a lot of fun as a kid but some things are hyped up so much that they end up being a disappointment the author says here sometimes that big event doesn't live up to your expectation think of your first kiss that you ever had was it really all that you expected? Maybe some for some. If it was your spouse, yeah, maybe you remember back and that was an exciting, special thing. But the, some things were a disappointment. Sometimes we just, we ask, is that it? Is that all there is to it? But will heaven be a disappointment? No. And the scripture is clear about this. Let's read Ephesians 3, verses 20 through 21. Ephesians 3, 20 through 21. Somebody wants to... Okay, read that for me. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church of Christ Jesus Christ to all generations forever and ever. All right, so what does this passage share with us? Now, it's not specifically talking about heaven, but if we, if we think about heaven in the context of that scripture, because that's kind of an all-encompassing scripture, what is heaven going to be like? Yeah, there's no words that can express what we're going to experience. Heaven's going to be much more than we could ever think or imagine. God has the power and ability to create and, and to do things, uh, as far as heaven is concerned, way beyond what we ever could, could possibly think of or imagine. Um, think about the creation. Uh, now, this is just me throwing my, my two cents in as far as whatever it's worth commentary. Think about the, uh, the creation of the world. How many days did it take God to create this, this world and the universe that we see? Six days. Yeah. How long has he been gone? Jesus said in John 14, verse 2, I'm going to prepare a place for you. 
So if he's, he's been gone almost now 2,000 years preparing a place for us, imagine what he's created. Imagine what's there compared to what this is. So just infinitely more than we could ever imagine or think. Heaven's going to be a glorious thing that is not going to be disappointing whatsoever as far as uh, God's creation, creative ability. It's going to surpass our wildest dreams. He's preparing a home for the saved that will exceed all the highest expectations of its future residents because it's going to contain things that we could not even imagine. And so this is just one reason why heaven is not going to be a disappointment. How does Paul describe it in 1 Corinthians 2, verse 9? You have that? Okay, why don't you go ahead and read 1 Corinthians 2, verse 9. Okay, so what are some of the qualifiers there? No, no mind has ever conceived. Right? No, no eye has ever seen anything like what God has prepared for us. So there's, there's absolutely no way it's going to be a disappointment to us when we get to heaven. So what does Titus 2 verses 11 through 14 remind us to do. So we're going to see here how, how Paul gives us a challenge. And that this really should be our daily challenge on a daily basis. We need to contemplate heaven. Uh, we need to uh, center that fact in our mind uh, because it will help to inspire us to holy living and healthy relationships. Uh, people who think a great deal about heaven live differently from those who do not. I mean, the world doesn't think about heaven on a regular basis. Many just, decide, just choose to ignore it because they don't want to think about what's after this life. And many think that this life is all there is. And so if, there, if this is all there is, why not live it up? Why not do whatever I want to do? Why not live a, a life that's sinful and you know, just go, go with whatever whim and passion I want to pursue? Um, if we long for heaven on a daily basis, if we think about it daily, it's going to help, it help to determine our thoughts and our actions and, and what we're truly focused on. But what in Titus 2, verses 11 through 14, what does Paul say? Yeah. Yes, 11 through 14. All right, so we see the difference here between the way that the world thinks about things on a daily basis. Uh, how, how do the ungodly live? If the, if the godly live self-controlled and upright lives while we wait for his blessed hope, what are, what are the ungodly doing? They're, yeah, they're living, they're living lawlessly. They're, living, they're not having self-control. Um, they're living in a wicked way. Okay, we're, we're to be a, a purified people, a people who have put away wickedness and, and thoughts of, of sinful uh, lifestyles and sinful activities. And we're just supposed to live, our, live this way, in a self-controlled way. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yes. And the, someone who doesn't think about the future on a daily basis is just concerned with what am I going to get today? How, how am I going to get ahead a little bit today? Who, who, who am I going to stab in the back to get whatever I want? And, uh, and it really makes a difference in how we treat others and uh, how, how we act ourselves. So they, these things are to be on our hearts and minds daily as we wait for Christ to appear in glory. 
But what are the things above that Paul refers to in Colossians 3, verses 1 through 4? Someone have that? Colossians 3, verses 1 through 4. All right, so there are three heavenly realities that are part of this verse. What, what are these things above that must not be forgotten? Okay, Jesus is there. Okay, if we're followers of Christ, we want to be where Christ is one day. Christ is above. We want to be there. We, we think about him being there. Paul envisioned Jesus sitting on his throne at the right hand of the Father. So obviously, who else is there? What else is above? God is there. God's above. We want to dwell where He dwells one day. And then finally, above is where glory is found. And when Christ returns, we're going to take full possession of that eternal life, that eternal glory. Uh, we're going to have a body that's retrofitted or refitted in a fashion that's, that's just suitable for heaven and perfect for the surroundings that are there. We know that we're going to receive a new body that this flesh is going to be done away with and will receive a new a new created body uh, that's suitable for that habitat. First Corinthians 15 verses 50 through 55. I'll turn over there. I didn't put that on your paper, but First Corinthians 15. Familiar verses in, in 50 through 55. Paul says, I declare to you, brothers and sisters, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I tell you, mystery, we will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in the flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised, imperishable, and will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality. And when the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? We're not exactly sure what this body, this heavenly body is going to look like, but it's going to be different. And it's going to be something that's going to last for all of eternity. And how does that compare with what we, the struggles? And this is a really, another really good reason why we look forward to that, that situation, that, that heavenly uh, dwelling, because we're going to have a different body that's an eternal body. And what, what is, how is that different than what we experience now? Yeah, there's no death, there's no pain, there's, there's no health problems, there's no breaking down of... You know, you know, there's no, I'm, oh, my back aches today. I wish I didn't have to get out of bed. You know, there, there's, there, there's none of those physical constraints that, uh, that cause harm and issues and, and all, all sorts of uh, just painful feelings and painful situations. Uh, one of the big things that, that, I'm, I, that my, myself am looking forward to in heaven is just the not having the constraints of time. Amen. I mean, that 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 in and of itself is just going to be like a a five ton weight lifted. You know that you can you're free to pursue what interests and just you know think about all the the great and wonderful things God has created and the the abilities that He's given us to come up with certain things here on this earth. And a lot of good things, really good things. You know, just be able to spend 2,000 years sitting next to Eric and learning nothing but new guitar stuff, you know. <laughs> and then after that's done, pick up a different instrument and spend another 2,000 years learning. You know, it's, just, it's things like that. Having the freedom without the constraints of time to, to focus on all the good things that God has given us. And, and then spend, spend a thousand years talking to Paul, you know, and just listening to his, what he's done, you know. And it, there's just so much that we could do.
And so many things that we can think of, and, and time gets in the way of so many good things. Yeah? No, we don't. That's, uh, that's getting into a, uh, that's going to get us into a whole nother study. So, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, yeah, de yeah, definitely, definitely not. We're, I mean, just quickly, quickly, there's a video on our website. If you want to look at that somewhere, there's a video called Where Do We Go When We Die? And that's a great explanation with graphics and all kinds of stuff that will do much better justice if you go there and just watch that. But yeah, where did Jesus say that the thief on the cross was going to be? With him in paradise. So yeah, there is a, there's a holding place for those who are saved and where they go when they die right now. And there's a place for those who are lost where they go when they die. And then after the judgment, then there's going to be heaven and hell. So, but that's just a quick synopsis. Yeah. Yeah, uh-huh. It made me think in the old, didn't they uh, have to carry the ark and the glory of God was, was, was there? In, in that well, yeah, yeah. I mean, in, in, in the temple, I mean, it was, was the, the representation of, of God dwelling with the people. Yeah, the, then the expectation is there that the throne room of God is going to be wide open for us to, you know, it's going to be a situation like the garden again. Where man, man has direct access with God and can walk with God in the garden, you know, and just have that, that close fellowship. And that's what God desires. That's what he wants, you know, for, with his family. Yeah, with the, ta with the tabernacle. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and where they would carry it back and forth through, through the desert. And then as they were going through the in part of the conquest. Yeah, and, and leading up to the, the temple. But yeah, the, that representation of God's glory being with the people um, and that, that same expectation we're going to have uh, being in heaven where we'll be able to dwell with Him. But there are s several things there that He mentions that we need to focus on that are above. And in addition to anticipating these heavenly realities, Saints must center their minds on heavenly values. I mean, we're, we're a called out people. We're a holy people. Um, there's not going to be anything sinful or anything uh, evil in heaven. And so now, right here in, in, our, in this existence as Christians, we're to be living as people who have our citizenship in a heavenly place. And so this is addressed in Colossians chapter 3. Verses 5 through 9, what are the things we are to put to death according to these verses? It's almost as if Paul's saying, this is a way you're going to live in heaven. Start living like this now. Just start setting your minds on this. And if someone could read that for us, Colossians 3, 5 through 9. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices. Now, isn't it interesting that, I may have mentioned this before as part of this study, but isn't it interesting that the further we get from godly principles and morals as a society, the more of these things we see? This list has become increasingly more prevalent the further and further we, we, we drift from having good morals and values as a society. I mean, how, how, uh, how much did you used to ever hear cuss words on just the family TV time, prime time TV? Never. You know, when some of you that are older, when you were growing up, did you ever hear a curse word on TV? No, never. 
Even when I was growing up, when I was young, I don't ever remember hearing cuss words on TV. But now things have progressed. Then we've gotten further and further from focusing on things that are above, heavenly things. All this stuff is becoming more and more prevalent. Uh huh. People lost their minds. Like, yeah, it was, like it was a big deal. Yeah. I think it was North and South. I believe with is that the one with Scarlett O'Hara, and uh, that's Gone with the Wind. Maybe that was it. Gone with the Wind. Okay. Yeah. All right, we got it together. <laughs> But, but yeah, that, that, that movie was kind of the first one where it was a big deal that they, they put that in it and whether or not they should even do it. Yeah? I think it's funny that also, when it comes to like parents, mm-hmm. a lot when I was growing up, parents would go, well, you can't swear until you become an adult. That's going to make it okay, yeah. <laughs> We're going to go backward, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 I know. I know. That's that's interesting. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I I wouldn't advocate for that as a <laughs> a godly married couple. Don't don't sleep in separate bedrooms. <laughs> that's not how God <laughs> God did not intend it. That's uh, we're going to get into a marriage class real quick if we go down that. <laughs> But we need a lot of that, too, in this day and age. But getting rid of, of all these things. He said, don't, and I like that translation. I think it says, said, um, it's put away the earthly things in you, or that, that which are earthly. How did that read? Uh, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Okay, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Okay, so thinking in the, the world being sinful things and sinful lifestyles. These are things that the world focuses on. These are, these are the passions of the day. You know, uh, the, those who are uh, caught in fornication and uh, evil desires and covetousness and um, anger, wrath, malice, filthy language from your lips. Those are, some people, those are daily activities, just things they're constantly focused on. Paul said, put to death those things. Bury them in the ground. Don't ever have anything to do with them anymore. That's because that's not who you are. Citizens of heaven don't think that way. They don't focus on those things. Uh, there's a zero tolerance. If we're going to have a zero tolerance policy. There needs to be a zero tolerance on these things in, in our public arena these days. And you must put to death... You, the, the way that you used to live. Fortify your will, in other words. Christians will not win every battle. We're going to stumble. But we can never give up the fight. Well, the next step is to replace these things. So not only are you put to death those things, but you're to, to replace them and put on these other qualities, and he talks about this in the preceding, in the next verses, uh, verses twelve through seventeen. Somebody want to read that? Okay, go ahead. Okay, so what are some things there that that he's told? That, you're, you're to add these things or put them on like garments. Okay. Can, can we see? Now, it's interesting that he uses this idea of putting on as, it's, as if it's something that the world can see. Because when someone's being compassionate, do you see it? Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. So there, there's this expectation there that we're to be acting on these things, that they're to be visible. It's one thing to say that we're compassionate. It's another to do it. Um, to put on humility. Can you, can you tell when someone's a humble person? Absolutely. 
to be meek, long-suffering, bear with one another, forgiving, just as Christ forgave you. And above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which you also were called in one body, and be thankful. What is the, what's the only way, according to this verse, that you're going to have the peace of God? How is it that you're going to have that, that peace of God? Yeah, if you do these things, put on these things. Let this, the word of Christ richly dwell in you in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do, so in case he forgot something, Paul likes to do this, in case he forgot something to, to say in the list, whatever it is that you do, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus and give thanks to God the Father through him. So Christians must, this is number nine, Christians must set their affections on things above because holy desires are roused by heavenly aspirations. Holy desires are roused by heavenly aspirations. So the more focused we're on, on heaven, the more we're going to have positive desires. The more, the more righteous we're going to, to be living Affections are positive longings. To set them means to fix them in your mind, to concentrate on them. It's not something that's going to come just by happenstance. It's going to take a lot of work, a lot of effort and routine uh, to, to put these things in our hearts and minds on a daily basis. Anybody have any other any comment before we move to this next section? All right, so counting our heavenly blessings. What are you most looking forward to in heaven? I kind of gave you one of my big ones this time, but what, what are some of the things you're most looking forward to in heaven? No pain, okay? Yeah, spending time with family that you lost. What else? To see Christ face to face. Yeah. 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 Never. No more worry. Yep. Yeah. What else? The food. <laughs> Only from a teenager you're gonna get that. The food. <laughs> but it, I I like good food, so I'm right there with you. So. Yeah. Hanging out with other Christians. Yeah. Yeah. Just. Yeah. Just being with people you love. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and and he maybe maybe time after time after time. You know, it may just be something that's a, a regular thing that's part of the, our heavenly existence. Yeah, it's that there is the, the idea of a banquet. Jesus talked about the idea of a banquet, you know, the great heavenly banquet. Talked about, um, yeah. There's just there's so much that that's associated with that picture. You know, when we think about the the times when we get together with our, our family and friends, and and the the, the uh, how special it is just to sit around a table with everybody and talk about their interests and you know, it's sharing a meal together. There's nothing else kind of that's like that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the mysteries, yeah, there, the, there's a lot of mysteries in, in that are not revealed. A lot of things that we still have questions about, specifics. Um, I'd like to hear all the other things that Jesus did. You know, John talks about that. that then all the books in the world wouldn't be able to recount what he did. Um, there's just so much there. Anything else? Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, just being able to see and, and spend time with all these people that we've read about and studied for years. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be clear. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. That. Yeah. And that that picture, I think, in one of his books, he uses the phrase further up and farther in, further up and farther in. Yeah. And, he, and it's that picture of it's never ending. It's never you, know, you think you've seen it all. And then there's another level and then there's another level and another level for eternity, eternity, eternity. And yeah, that just a, a neat picture to think about what's hidden now. It's almost like a veil. And then someday it'll be wide open and we'll see clearly those glories of heaven. So, but uh, yeah, it's great expectation of what's, what is it really going to be like? Uh, but as we're here, the more that we, we uh, keep focused on it, the more we long for it, the easier it's going to be to take this existence and, and to deal with the daily struggles that are here. And that, that's how, how Paul and, and uh, the apostles could get through the difficulty that they faced. Um, I mean, we won't ever have, probably won't ever have to go through what Paul went through. But I think that longing for heaven certainly was on his mind. Uh, what is it that sets Christians apart from those who have no hope? Let's read 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18. 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18. Somebody have that? You got it? Okay. Um, but we do not want you to be uninformed, brethren, about those who are asleep, so that you will not grieve as do the rest of those who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. For this, for this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord, and will not perceive those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Okay, those are some great words to comfort each other with, definitely. Um, but what is it there that he talks about that sets us apart? from those who have no hope. Okay, we have, yeah, yeah, we have this expectation. And it's not, it's not like I hope, I hope this is going to happen. It's an absolute assurance that yes, Christ died and he raised from the dead. And I know for a fact I'm going to raise to life again because the same power that raised him from the dead is going to raise me from the dead one day. We, and, and we have a hope unlike the world uh, who has no hope. And uh, he says that we, we, we don't grieve, okay? We don't grieve the way that the rest of mankind grieves. When you go to a funeral, how, how do people grieve? Uncontrollable crying. I mean, some of the things that, that I know I've personally, what you probably have too, when you go, there's people just, they, they, they say things like, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do. I... I don't, uh, what, I don't have any idea what's going to happen. You know, and they lose their mind. And they're, they're people that literally have no hope at all in that situation. And, and then that's the reason they grieve uncontrollably. Because they're, they're hoping that the way the world hopes, which is no hope. And we don't grieve that way. And when a Christian dies... It's, yeah, we mourn. We're sorry that they're no longer here physically with us. But oftentimes when you go to a, a Christian funeral, what is it called? Celebration. Yeah, it's a celebration of life. It's a celebration of who that person was. Celebration of the fact that they're, they're, in, they're going, with God. They're, they're heading to their eternal destination. Yeah. I think about David when uh, his son died. I can't bring him back, but I can go to him. Yeah. 
yeah, I can't bring him back, but I'm gonna, I know I'm going to go to him. Yeah, that's right. And that's how we need to think about heaven. It's a glorious expectation of wonderful, marvelous things to come. And, and when we die, those who die in the Lord, um, we, we can have confidence that, that they're going to be there. And they're going to, to experience that reward one day. Because we believe that Jesus died and that He rose again. And we understand that He's going to come back for His church. And this, those words should be an encouraging thing for us on a daily basis. And it sets us apart from those who don't believe in heaven or don't have that same kind of hope. And we need to be telling other people about it. It's likely that no one who met Paul could have remained in doubt about where he was going. And why is that? Let's look at these uh, two passages here. Philippians 1, 21 through 23. What does this say? Philippians 1, okay, 21 through, and then uh, someone, get 2 Timothy 4, 6 through 8. Okay, okay. All right, so uh, let's do uh, Philippians 1, 21 through 23. Okay. All right. Paul said, man, I know I've got a lot of work still to do here. As long as God gives me time, I'm going to do what he has for me to do. You know, and, and for Paul, what did that mean? More time in prison, more time being persecuted, people coming after him. You know, it, but he said, if that's what God needs, if I need to be here, it's beneficial for these for the, these people for me to be here. I'm going to do it as long as God wants me to do it. Even with this thorn in the flesh that's bugging me every day, I'm going to do it. I'm going to push through it. But what's better? What am I looking forward to? To be with Christ, to be with the Lord, because that that is gain. And Paul talked about it often. He spoke of of heaven often because he had the utmost confidence in his eternal destination, his eternal reward. And what is the, uh, the second Timothy 4, 6 through 8? That's a passage that we, we quote. For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time has come for my departure. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearance. All right. So he's looking forward to it with great expectation. And will we be able to say those same words at the end? When we're, we're close to the end someday, if we're on our deathbed, are, is each one of us going to be able to say, I've fought the good fight. Uh, I've done, I've put in all my energy, all my effort, as much as I could for this. I finished the race hard. I, I crossed, um, I see the end, the finish line tape is there. I know I'm going to get there. And someday I'm going to see that, that eternal reward that's been in store for me. What is it like uh, when you wait in an airport? What are some of the types of people that you see? What are some of the things, some of the clothing that you, that you see in an airport? Masks. <laughs> Masks, okay. <laughs> Other than that, okay. What, think, think about different destinations, okay. What are you going to see? Okay, a suit and tie. Where are they heading? Where's that person go? Okay, a business meeting. They've got an important client meeting or presentation they're heading for. What else? Okay, if they're in shorts and a tropical shirt, <laughs> they're going to Florida or Hawaii or something. You can, you can tell a lot about what people are wearing, can't you? Just by watching them you know, come off the airplanes and get on airplanes at the airport. Their dress and their demeanor provide clues about where they're heading or where they've come from, right? 
One thing for sure that the disciples and Jesus knew exactly where they were heading. Paul knew exactly where he was heading. And, the, the, and that, that should, we should ask that question of ourselves. When people look at us, you know, thinking back to those things we're to put on, like spiritual clothing, when people see us on a daily basis, can they tell where we're heading? Then you know what our destination is by just witnessing our actions, our attitude, by the expression on our face, how we interact. Some people can tell. Okay, some, some people, but as Christians, should people be able to tell where we're heading? Yeah, it shouldn't be a secret. And, and, we def, and it shouldn't be something that, that gives off, uh, I've lost my hope. Oh, I'm just, it's just horrible. I mean, and, and, and all we have to do is think, is, Covey, is that really true? You're never supposed to think that way. No, think about what Paul and Silas went through, Acts chapter 16. They were just beaten, thrown into the inner cell, put in stocks. And what are they doing? Yeah, they're teaching. They're singing hymns to the Lord. And what came out of that? And this, is, and this is the proof of why, as Christians, we have to refocus our mindset on an eternal mindset. As much as we, even though life can be drudgery some days, we have to transform our thinking on a daily basis toward the things that are above because what can happen, even in the midst of our worst suffering and crazy situations in life, what is possible that God can do? Yeah, win somebody to Christ. Because it's when you're going through the most difficult season in life is when people are looking at how you're handling it. And that's when you can be a powerful witness to other people. And they're going to want, how are you able to do that? How can you possibly get through that difficulty? Because of the joy of the Lord. And I'm focusing on things above. Yeah. Joyce was, Joyce Moore was telling me the other day about when her husband passed away. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a, re a recent example, I remember uh, Kim telling us about what happened with her mom. And, how, and the, what, how encouraging that was to the family and the, the joy, the joy that it brought to the whole hospital staff, the witness that that was. And you hear about Christians doing that on their deathbed in the hospital, and they're witnessing to the nurses, and they're saying, I'm, I'm fine. I know I'm dying, but... I'm, you know, things, I have a heavenly reward waiting for me. I'm ready to go. And that, that makes it easier for your loved ones, you know, that you leave behind because they have that to lean on and they, they have confidence. And what were you going to say? I don't know, uh, I think it was Ray Bennett's son. I don't know the whole mm -hmm. story, but he died young. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's in those situations when we're, when we're faced with extreme difficulty that we can have our most powerful witness for Christ and lead someone to Christ. Yeah? Yeah. No, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's something wrong with you. What's wrong with that person? Uh, yeah. Well, Paul Paul talked about it on a regular basis because he looked forward to it, and that needs to be the same mindset that we have as Christians uh, to constantly 
Think about heaven. And that last question, what about you? Do people know where you're headed? Ask yourself, do I think much about heaven? Do I talk much about eternity? Do I live each day for glory? Because going back to our very first question or, uh, of the night, no one's going to arrive in heaven by accident. Nobody's going to just stumble into heaven in some secret way. As the saying goes, heaven is a prepared place for a prepared people. And so are you living for eternity? Have you set your affections on above? Is going to heaven the deepest desire of your heart? Is that the most important thing that you're instilling in your children and your grandchildren? It should be. Christ and the apostles wanted us to understand this truth and make it primary. Let's close with prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we thank You for this reminder, for the wisdom from Your Word, to, to see the, the wisdom and longing for heaven on a daily basis. And we, we thank You, Father, for giving us that hope, the absolute assurance that one day we have the, the ability to, to rise again and to meet Christ in the air and to be taken to that eternal dwelling place of the saints. We look forward to that time and that great banquet one day when we'll sit around the table with you and we long for it. And until that time, we know that you've uh, promised to be with us always until the very end of the age. And we find security and hope in that promise. And we thank you for your love and your blessing that you give to us. And help us to be taking the, the message of the good news of the gospel to those who desperately need to hear it in this dark and dying world. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.